Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create a six-figure MFR practice. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Not only have I been practicing MFR for 11 years, I'm also a life and business coach, especially for MFR therapists. My goal is for you to understand how to get fully booked, how to talk to your clients, and how to make sure they understand what's possible for them with MFR treatment. I'm here to help you stop under earning, overworking, and burning out. I'll lend support so you can create the MFR practice you've always wanted. Learn how you can do it too, even if you live in a tiny town, and even if you're just starting out, and even if you've ran your practice for years. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I have a fun interview today with one of my mastermind sisters, Bryn Bamber. She is also the podcast host to the Sacred Goals Podcast. So check that out if you have a minute. She is the trauma-informed witch. You can find her at brynbamber.com. Bryn, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be fun. We're going to kind of talk a little bit about... I mean, who knows where we're going to end up, but we're going to start with talking about the effect that making decisions from anxiety and stress has on not only you as a person, but the effect that has long-term on your business and what we can do about that so that we're not making decisions from that or how we can tell when we are so we can quit doing it. So tell me more about that. Like, How did you get into this line of work? What, what did you used to do? And let's get a little background. Yeah. So I wanted to be a teacher. When I was a teenager, I did this youth employment program outside and I loved it. And then I became a staff. And so for seven summers, I worked with 17-year-olds in the mm-hmm. woods and They were getting paid by the Ministry of Natural Resources here in Canada. And we all lived together on site. And what I loved was the transformation the girls would go through over the eight weeks of the summer because it was gender segregated, which Mm -hmm. for better or for worse, I know that definitely has some issues. But the plus side of it was they were kind of taken out of the high school game that most of them were used to, and they didn't know each other. Mm. So I remember when I did it, it was this opportunity where it's like, it's really easy to make friends because nobody knows anybody and you just get to make friends and there isn't as much of the cliques and all of the high school shit. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. So I was like, I love working with teenagers. Obviously, I meant to be a high school teacher. I love it. Obviously. (laughs) So I did my undergrad degree and then I went to teacher's college. That's the way we do it in Canada. And very quickly learned there's a big chasm in between what I was doing with 17-year-olds in the woods versus what we do in schools. Mm -hmm. With textbooks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like... 40 minutes and then the bell rings and then it's like everyone just got settled into their seats and class is over and Mm -hmm. you have another class coming in. And yeah, so I did four months of teacher's college and then I dropped out. 
Okay. There is also some issue. There is like homophobia at the university. I was doing my teacher's college ad and, and racism and all of this stuff in the faculty. Like it was insane to me. And then on top of that, it just felt like when I did my first teaching placement, it was like, oh, this is not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. This is not what I thought I was signing up for. So I dropped out and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I thought I wanted to teach teachers college. I was like so invested in teaching and education and reading about all the unschooling and all these different kinds of education. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I was like, oh shit, what do I do now? So, you know, I had a couple of months of sitting on the couch and trying to applying to every random job. And then I ended up, I had a family friend that volunteered for this nonprofit that teaches youth about the justice system. And she knew they had a position open that happened to be in the random town that I had done teacher's college in and I'd stayed even though I'd quit the school. Mm-hmm. And they had like funding for a grant that could only happen there. So basically there was like money sitting to hire somebody, but they had trouble filling the position. And so she offered to connect me to these people. And I was like, first, I just said yes to be polite. And then I was like, I guess I'll interview. She's like done all this work of connecting me. Yeah. And then, yeah, I ended up getting the job and running a satellite office for this nonprofit. Okay. Teaches youth about the justice system and the grant that I was hired for was specifically to cater the work to indigenous youth. So I ended up translating the more standard materials that were already created, but translating them and making them culturally appropriate for an indigenous audience and okay, very cool. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was really difficult. You know, it was like 22 or something. And suddenly I had to have meetings with judges. And when you're like the one employee for the whole office, you're like stapling all the papers, but then you have to like go. (laughs) Go and be the presenter of the papers too. Yeah. (laughs) Meet with the judge and explain to them why they should help us out. And so it was probably actually helped me run the business, you know, my business now, because it was kind of running the whole show. Mm -hmm. So tell us like what you do now. So just a little background for everybody that's listening. So they're not like, what the hell is happening right now? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) You are also a coach. You are the trauma-informed coach. And we met in a business mastermind, Simone Soul's business mastermind. So we've worked together for the last six months, kind of on the same thing, like growing our coaching businesses. Yes. But you specifically like work with people who are experiencing anxiety and stress, like who specifically do you work with and what are the problems that they come to you for? Yeah. So I work for the most part with creative spiritual entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. That happens to be who is drawn to me. And then the work that we do is often related to their businesses. Sometimes we we talk about other things that are happening. General life things. Yeah. General life things. But A lot of the work is overcoming the patriarchal blocks that are in the way, 
and the nervous system blocks that are in the way from them fully stepping into the spotlight, which you have to do (laughs) to have a successful business and owning all of who they are, owning their weirdness or their artisticness or their spirituality or whatever they've been kind of hiding to attract their people, their ideal people that they want to work with. And my training is in something called core energetics, which one of the ways I describe it is it's like as if yoga and talk therapy had a baby together. (laughs) I love it. And so working with the energy and the body and the, and the trauma that sometimes gets stuck in our bodies, but then also talking about where does that come from? And then how does that connect to their business? And how does that connect to their marketing? Because I think we think it doesn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we think that business sometimes is like very logical and it's just like math equations. And I think particularly if you're socialized as a woman or if you have any kind of trauma, which we all do, <laughs> there's a bunch of things other than the math that can make it harder to step out. Yeah. Because we have all the drama and all the trauma, right? Exactly. And the trauma sometimes like unrealized or unactualized, like when you're not aware of it, it shows up as drama or it shows up as keeping you stuck or... I mean, it should show up like all kinds of things. Yeah. For MFR therapists, like they are healers. They are working day in and day out on people with significant traumas. Some people don't know that aren't aware of their trauma, right? But definitely as the therapist, I would say most people are very intuitive and some people are neurodivergent. And so we're all observing what our clients' processes are from different brains, from different traumas of our own. What are some things that would be important for us as MFR therapists to look for like where they might be being stuck because of trauma or anxiety or stress? Yeah, I think one of the indicators is right-sized reaction. So we know it can be connected to our history, to our past, to our childhood. When, say, you are five minutes late for a session with a client and you're like panicking, you are like sweating because Mm -hmm. you're five minutes late. And of course we want to be on time for our clients. And I totally support that. And if you're so stressed about that, that's not a right-sized reaction. It's right-sized to be like, okay, let's go. I want to get there. Right. Like, let's park the car. Let's get right to the room where you do the therapy or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when it's a reaction that doesn't match the circumstance, that's one way you can know. Another way is like feeling it in your body. Like if all of a sudden you feel like shaky or sweaty or suddenly very hot or suddenly very cold, that's another indicator that maybe you're hitting into something deeper and you want to, I think you and I talked beforehand and we wanted to talk a little bit about marketing your business and how that all relates. And I think it's like step away from the computer. It's the hardest thing to do, I think, when you are 
stress because you're like, well, I have to market my business and I can't take a break. This is the worst time to take a break because this isn't going well or like, yeah. but the science shows us that to complete the stress cycle, the best way to do it is to move your body. Okay. So it can be going for a walk, going for a run, putting on a song and dancing. It doesn't matter if you love to swim, if you love to ski, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like MFR therapists are super good at jiggling totally. and like doing that. Or tightening your body really tight and then letting it go. Totally. Yeah. Even doing like basically MFR on yourself. Yeah. But yeah. to close the laptop and take, it can be 10 minutes. I mean, if you're super, super triggered, you might need longer, but most of the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> most of the triggers, you don't have to take like two hours yeah. off, but just to step away and to move your body. For me, it really depends like what the trigger is and the kind of energy mm-hmm. it is. If I get angry, then it's like push-ups or stomping or like something that's kind of more yeah physical angry oriented Mm -hmm. if it's more fear then maybe the jiggling or softer interventions if it's fear yeah and just like walk around the block is kind of a Mm catch-all like come back to it after you do that yeah yeah so I'm trying to just think of like for the listeners out there what they could think of instantly that would bring up some sort of like response like this. And I'm thinking like when clients no show or cancel last minute. Yes. And instead of having a right sized reaction where I was like disappointed or annoyed and then was able to quickly like solve for that, find someone to fill it or have a plan B or whatever it was. Instead, I would spend time spiraling, making it mean something about me getting super angry and like having all these judgments about the client, like they should show up and they shouldn't like cancel and they should let me know, right? That can get so big to where like, you're always having that reaction to your clients. And pretty soon you're showing up in that energy, like all across the board, angry at your clients. Mm -hmm. It can come out in your marketing. It can come out in your emails. It can come out in your policies. It can come out in like the direct interaction with them. And it's not necessary to prove to them that you're right and they're wrong or that they should have treated you a different way, right? Like that would go... So me explaining that to you, like what would you say to me if you were my coach? And I was like, this is what's happening. So that, I mean, part of it is totally completing the stress cycle. So like your homework when (laughs) your client no-shows is to... And we would decide, put on a song and dance or go for a walk around the block or jiggle your body, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you would kind of tell me all of our bodies are a bit different. And so you want to do something that feels good. Yeah. And this is the whole point is to like regulate your nervous system, to like bring you back to that right size reaction. Yeah. Then part two is looking at your boundaries, looking at what's your cancellation policy. Yeah. Yep. Do they have to give 24 hours notice? Well, if they do, then charge them. Yeah. And if they are canceling within your policy, why are you still reacting? Like what's happening? Yeah. This is stuff we coach on all the time, right? Because it becomes a big deal. Yeah. They're totally allowed to cancel and just pay you. And that's amazing. Yeah. Or cancel within the policy and not pay you. And it's your job to manage, right? Like your job to manage your response around it. Yeah. If they cancel with 25 hours notice. You know, you can decide you want to change your policy and make it 48 hours, or you can 
realize like they're allowed to cancel. Yeah. And this is part of running a business. And I think this is something when I was thinking about being on your podcast in this community is that it is a big transition, right? If you are a physiotherapist or a massage therapist and you work for a clinic and somebody else is in charge of getting your clients Mm -hmm. and there's maybe a little bit more consistency or there's more of a flow in, or if you have a cancellation, the clinic can put out a message and fill that spot easily. It's a transition. Yeah, everybody in my group, like, I mean, anyone can be listening to this. Hey, I'm a MFR therapist. But like people that I'm specifically coaching are all headed towards or already have their own cash-based MFR practice, mostly single practitioners. Yeah, so you have to... I mean, you don't have to, but... <laughs> we don't have to do anything, right? It's better when we want to do it. <laughs> yeah, but this is a transition to start to regulate your own nervous system when that stuff happens and realize, yeah, you know, I know you do thought work. So you're probably looking at what are the thoughts coming up? Like it's the end of the world. All of my clients are going to quit. You know, this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. This client can't late canceled one time. Now they're going to do it every time. And I'm screwed and there's nothing I can do. And I'm just going to have to take it. There could be this whole spiral that happens within people. Yeah. And it's learning to take care of yourself and take care of your nervous system and to take care of the parts of you that are scared. And it's like, it's okay that you get scared or you get angry or whatever reaction. Yeah. I like that you said that. It totally is okay. Like there's nothing wrong with you if you feel like the world ended when somebody late cancels or no shows. But what would your life in your business be like if you didn't have to have that strong of a reaction to it. And you could just like lessen it by 10%. Yeah. Like how quickly could you get on with your day or get through that? But it's like nothing's gone wrong and it's okay that you get upset like that. Look, this discussion is not so that you can beat yourself up or find out that you have something wrong with you or call yourself an overreactor because that's not helpful. Yeah. And this is common. Yeah. It's super common. Like I just said to every, I just outed myself, right? Like I used to get hysterical. And so like, who do these people think they are canceling? Me too. I was like, busy for sure. My business is going (laughs) to crumble because this one person was sick. And so canceled. Yes, exactly. In the time of COVID when lots of people are sick and you probably want them to cancel. Yeah. Yeah. It is so funny, like how are all the different systems of the body and like you, you speak specifically about the nervous system and MFR therapists treat the fascial system, which is the largest system or the only system that really interacts, penetrates and surrounds every other system of the body. So it's like all the way down to the cellular level. Like it is part of our cells. It is you know, the outside of every cell and it, it connects everything. So it, if you have tight fascia or damaged fascia in some sort of way, your nervous system might be overreactive because of that. Totally. Right. So you can't help but treat the nervous system through the fascia and, and vice versa. So yeah, for anyone out there that's getting triggered because I'm talking about the nervous system instead of the fascial system, just understand that I understand how it works. <laughs> Yeah, they go together. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with the clients that I work with, I don't work with the fascia specifically. Or, I mean, I do, I have upledger level one cranial sacral therapy. So I know a tiny itty bit about 
Yeah. Fascia. But mostly that's not the work that I'm doing with my clients. But if they get massage or if they get MFR or any of these modalities while they're working with me, their work goes so much faster. Their mm. healing goes faster because it's like I am working with their body and their nervous system. And core energetics works with, it does work with the fascia. We would never say that. And there was no zero classes on fascia, but Mm -hmm. what we work with are blocks. So if you were not allowed to express anger as a child, the way that you hold that in is you tense your shoulders. You know, you can imagine a five-year-old with their hands at their side, squeezing. They want a temper tantrum, but they know they're going to get made fun of or something bad's going to happen. So they tighten. And if you do that for decades, which many people do, including, you know, I did that for decades, you end up with bands of tension. So people with suppressed anger typically have tension in the shoulders, the neck, the jaw, the hips. Mm -hmm. The tight butt cheeks. Yes. (laughs) Some of the work I do for my clients that I see in person, and we modify this when people are on Zoom, but at the studio that I rent, we have boxing gloves and a punching pad to start to loosen up those areas and let them move their body in the way that it naturally wanted to move all those years ago and still and yeah. to start to release the anger and yeah and release the block and so yeah i think that yeah the work that mfr does and that i do is like very complementary it's not the exact same work yeah but and everything like kind of runs into something else, some other modality, right? There's no such thing as like this, just one modality starts and stops here. Like everything goes together, just like how coaching is like MFR for the brain and MFR is for the body. And there's like all other sorts of modalities. Yeah. And then core energetics is like the nervous system and energy system. Yeah. Yeah, totally. One of the things that I think could be helpful when you are doing this transition from like closer to a day job to running your own practice is looking at the like 10 year vision, 20 year vision, you know, however long you imagine doing MFR Mm -hmm. with your clients for is like looking at it on a longer scale. So when one client cancels one day, Mm -hmm. if you ask what's the 10 year impact of this event on my business, the 20 year impact, Yeah, it makes it way less significant versus like, I'm not going to hit my goal for this week. So then I'm not going to hit my goal for the month. So then I'm not going to hit my goal for the year, which is like not even true. (laughs) Yeah, it's not even going to impact your yearly goal unless you spiral out about it forever, then it will. Yeah. But if you complete that stress cycle and and move on, it's not even going to impact your yearly goal. But I find it can be helpful in every kind of aspect of your business to kind of take that zoomed out Mm -hmm. because our, our fight or fright response 
it's very immediate. Yeah. The fight or fight response is amazing, right? If there is a fire or there is a wild animal or something, it's like, this is the yeah, thing. Saves your life. Saves our lives. Mm-hmm. It's so good. But when the problem is we start to apply it to our business and business decisions, and it is not made for that. Mm-hmm. It is not good for that. Yeah. When you go into fight or flight, all of the blood runs away from your digestive system. And And you want to be at rest or digest, right? Like that is like homeostasis, resting and digesting and making like where John Barnes would call it channel three. Like you're just in the zone and everything is good. It's your non-linear thinking. Yes. You want to be there. Your prefrontal cortex is then online. Mm -hmm. And so the reason this zoom out five year, 10 year, 20 year, thing can help us because fight or flight is like now mm-hmm. it's like that's the reason we freak out the client cancels and we're like it happened now and therefore it means yeah it can mean so many things yeah but when we zoom out it kind of is a, a trick to get us out of that fight or flight thinking which also fight or flight thinking is very black and white There's one way to save my life, which we want. If there is a bear in front of you, I don't want you to be like, which tree should I climb? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to think outside of the box. I want you to see the tree (laughs) and be like, this is the right way. Every other way is wrong. I'm going to climb the tree. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. So you get very tunnel vision and focus, which is amazing. The problem is when you're making a marketing decision, that just becomes very stressful because then you're like, oh, whether I use WordPress or Squarespace for my website is going to decide whether I die or not. Like that's what our brain is thinking when we're in yeah. fight or flight. And then it's like, actually, WordPress and Squarespace are both going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> There's some subtle differences, but like there are people who have amazing practices and they have a Squarespace yeah website and some that have a wordpress like that's not the decision or what topic should i write a post on if your people do social media yeah they totally do and this is so valuable because like i just did an extra coaching session today on websites and you know we reviewed people's websites and we talked about like what is important to have on them do you pick squarespace or wix or weebly and your online scheduler and stuff like some people are stuck at their name. Some people are stuck at which site to pick. Some people are yeah. stuck on the this domain. This is all fight or flight. Yeah. And it's like life or death decision. Yeah. And today I just spent like the whole hour being like, we're just going to make the decision and everybody's going to have a website up and running by the end of the week. I love it. That's just what we're doing. And the freedom for it to be one page with a book now button and one sentence. That's it. That's it. We are all going to have that by the end of this week. and. I know that that's going to happen because they have full permission for it to not be perfect. They're all running in the background with this idea. Like, you know, they've said out loud, like the thing that's keeping me is that it's got to be perfect. And I'm like, yeah. And it just doesn't, it just has to have your name on it. One sentence in a book now button by the end of the week. And you will have met the task, right? Like you will be the star student. Yeah. And so whenever you're faced with whether it's your website or what you're going to post or whatever decision, Mm -hmm. I want you to come at it. Again, this is a hack to get out of the fight or flight brain is to think if both worked. Yeah. 
you know, or if all three worked or if all 10 topics I could write a post on worked, mm-hmm. which they yeah, do. They do. The part that doesn't work is when it stays in your mind and it keeps you spinning and you do nothing, but you think you're doing a lot because you're spending so much time worrying and analyzing it and freaking out. Yeah. Which produces just more of the same. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, move your body if you need to, if you're really spitting out about it, close the laptop, move your body in some way. And then part two is kind of like, make the decision from the place that this all works. I don't have to find the perfect topic. Yeah. Should I be on Instagram or TikTok? Doesn't fucking matter. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't. Just pick one. There are people who make a lot of money on TikTok. There are people who make a lot of money on Instagram. So just choose. Yeah. And the thing is, is like the more you just give yourself permission to show up over and over and over again, like the value of that long-term versus the value of being perfect. Yeah. And perfectionism, I think is a form of fight or flight, right? It's often driven by anxiety and it is also, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. It's a childhood pattern that worked for you. Everyone who's a perfectionist, it's because it it worked well in your family situation or wherever you grew up. That was what worked in that yeah. environment. And, you know, I know this because this is part of my story too, is being a perfectionist. Yeah. So that was the best option for the first 18 years of your life or however long you lived at home. And now it isn't. For entrepreneurs, it, it really, is first of all, it's fueled by beating yourself up. Yeah. That's the fuel of perfectionism. It's not fueled by self-love. It's fueled by, if I don't do this perfect, I'm going to be a piece of shit. And again, this is a strategy we developed when we were kids to get us to follow these rules, to succeed in the environment we were in. And so like, it's okay that you beat yourself up. Yeah. Nothing has gone wrong. This was a good strategy for a long time. And now it's holding you back because it's not letting you even try. Because the thing about it is it's setting you up for failure because guess what? You're human. You're going to make mistakes. Right. And if you don't give yourself permission or allow for those mistakes, you won't be willing to make them. Yeah. And we know from research the best way to motivate people isn't by telling them they're a piece of shit unless they do it perfect. Yeah. Although why do people look for feedback like that? Like I had someone post today in our group that how many hits have you had on your book now button? And I was like, why are we asking this question? You know? And she was like, I'm looking to compare myself to somebody else. And I was like, yeah, good catch. Why are we doing this? Right. Like there's so many reasons and circumstances and we don't know how often they're posting or showing up or promoting their webpage. Yeah. You know, and you're not gonna know. It doesn't matter. I could have, I love this example, like I could have a hundred people on my email list and I'll earn someone that has three thousand people on their email list. Like none of those numbers matter. Yeah. Well that happens, right? Yeah. I have proof of that. Even like Simone Soul, who's our coach. Mm-hmm. I think she has more Instagram followers now, but I think she has like 10,000 and she's making like 3 million, yeah. $3 million. 
And I know people who have 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 who are not making... Right. Well, because you don't know the quality of the follower. You don't know, like, do they even engage? Are they even a real human? Are they a bot, right? Like, would much rather have a small, very engaged audience, which is what I have. I have a very small, very engaged audience. But then the people that I work with literally show up to everything that I do. Yeah. Because they're very engaged. And... That means more to me and to the results that they're going to get than to have like 10,000 people and have five people show up. Yeah. Right. So if everybody's showing up and we're all engaged, we're all going to get a really good result together. We're all going to go at the same time. Nobody gets left behind because we're all doing it together. So yeah, this whole like idea of perfectionism and comparing and despairing as a modality to make you try harder or do better is just a lie. It just no. makes you feel it like can shit. Temporarily motivate you, but it leads either to quitting or burnout. Exactly. Or, you know, I on my podcast talk about goals a lot, mm-hmm. sacred goals. And it's like the difference between white knuckling to your goal, which like rarely works. And like if it does work, it's hard to recreate. You don't maintain it. Yeah. Even if, you know, if you have like a money goal for your business and you white knuckle your way to 50K or whatever the goal is, then you're like dead. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to set the next goal and you don't even want to set another goal because you've been beating yourself up all the way there versus being motivated. Like if you're an MFR therapist, you're like, this shit works. Mm -hmm you know, my body feels so much better. My emotions feel so much better from having MFR done to me and doing it to myself. And like, I have the keys to the universe. I want other people to have it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be my motivation to making money because money is just a metric that counts how many people I'm helping. Yeah. And so I'm going to be motivated to create a business that makes... 50k from this place of loving humanity and knowing that people need this work and that I'm skilled at doing mm-hmm. MFR and I get clients results like all these thoughts are so helpful versus nobody wants what I have I can't explain it my website sucks like the, you know it's just like one shift in your belief about yourself and your belief about what's possible for your clients for yourself for your business It's literally like the only difference between someone who has the result that you want and the person that doesn't have that result. It's like totally in how they're perceiving their environment around them, whether it's through thoughts or feelings in their body. Yeah. Which all go, you know, we know they all go together, but yeah, it's like finding that fuel, that healthy fuel towards your business goal versus I want to be perfect. Yeah. It's like, that's not even motivating. It's not. It seems so like punishing. Like the idea of perfection to me seems so punishing. And I like, I don't know, like I fight against that so hard. In yourself? In myself. And also like, if someone tells me that their perception of me is I have somehow like coming across too polished, I'm like, oh my God, you should see my desk. Like you would wonder how I literally function. Right. And like my house is only clean because I hire a housekeeper and it's clean for the 40 minutes until she leaves. And then it's messy again, because we're just not organized. And yeah, and that's fine. Like that works for us. 
Like I don't need my house to be clean in order to receive company. I don't need my desk to be clean in order for me to create. I'm not going to show you on camera what it looks like, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I think people think the optics of something are one way and like reality is something else. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that like everybody is a human, no matter how perfect they come across, right? All these big gurus out there and like Oprah and, you know, like all these people we maybe Mm -hmm. look up to, like they're still a human. They're still pooping their pants once in a while. They're still, you know. Yeah, they have anxiety. They have anxiety. Yeah. And worries. Yeah. Some work I was doing with my coach on my business recently is like, oh, it's okay if I get drained by my business sometimes. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm like doing it right. Like if I'm drained every single day Mm -hmm. (laughs) for three months, okay, we need to like look at what's happening. I think there is even this perfectionist fantasy that I can put onto my business that's like, well, if I do my business right, then I'll just like feel like rainbows and butterflies. Yeah, and, no. Like, so inspired all the time. And it's like, right. No, I don't get to bypass being human. <laughs> yeah. Even when you have like the perfect schedule and you're fully booked and you're making the money you want, like you're still going to feel like shit 50% of the time. The sooner you can just accept that and not make it a problem, the easier it actually feels when you feel like shit, (laughs) right? Yeah. So I just started my group. I don't know when this episode is going to air, but like right now as we're talking, we're like the third week into my group program. And the first week is always terrible for me. Like probably nobody in the group knows that, but it's like, I have so much anxiety. I'm so worried about Mm -hmm. serving everybody at the highest level. So everybody gets results and it turns out perfect, right? Perfect. Mm -hmm. And so like that entire week, I feel like shit, like terrible. And I was telling my, one of my other coaching friends about this and she's like, Oh yeah, this is just what happens for you, Heather. Like nothing's gone wrong. You're going to feel totally fine next week. This is exactly what happened the two times before. So maybe you just need to start planning for that. And then when you feel worried and anxious and overwhelmed, because you have this thought, you're not going to be good enough. Like this is just what you do this week in your program. And the next weeks are fine. And she's so right. And like the minute she pointed that out to me, like I had instant relief. And I was able to show up for myself and also show up for my group in a different way. Cause when you're showing up out of anxiety, yeah, I can't do enough to make this good enough. Like you show up totally different than when you're like, yep, this is just the week from hell. No problem. Next week's going to be better. And inevitably it was. Yeah. We also have this perfectionist fantasy that like, oh, well, I'm so anxious right now because I don't have enough clients mm-hmm. in my MFR practice. And then it's like, you get enough clients or you get fully booked. And you're anxious about that. And then you're like, oh, I'm not going to serve them or they're all going to quit or like whatever. I'm tired. Now I'm drained. I'm tired. Or I did this this one time, but I can't recreate it. Right. It was a fluke. I got fully booked by fluke. And yeah, it's never going to happen again. And so it's, yeah, every stage... Yeah. Of our businesses, we don't get to stop having a human brain. We don't get to stop having a nervous system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That doesn't get removed at any time. And so, yeah, to have some grace and just say, like, oh, yeah, I just always feel like shit the first week of my group or whatever your pattern is, or, you know, even what you were saying before, client cancels and I am going to have a little freak out and I'm going to work on like making it 10% less intense, but like 
this is what I'm going to do. And then this is how I'm going to take care of myself. Yeah. When my nervous system freaks out, nothing has gone wrong. Right. It really comes back to like having the awareness that it, this is the response you're having. This is the trigger. And then also having that plan. Like I think from listening to you, this is what yeah. I'm hearing you say. It's like having that plan for how are you going to do it differently next time so that you feel better and this doesn't become a big hitch in your getup as you're trying to create this business. Yeah. Cause I think when I think about myself and my own business, as it's grown, it's almost like, okay, what's the lag time from the freak out to like getting back to grounded or whatever you mm-hmm. call it in John's barn. I think grounded is good. Okay. Channel three, channel yeah. three, like getting back yeah. to channel three. Does that take me two weeks? Or can it be just like switching a channel remote? Cause it can be that. Easy. Yeah. Now, sometimes it is like, yeah, 10 minutes. And sometimes it's longer, right? Like it's not always 10 minutes for me. Sometimes it is a whole week of feeling like ass and, (laughs) you know, like, and, and not making myself wrong when it takes longer, it's a bigger trigger, but practicing switching to channel three. Okay. I'm on the fire flight channel. Mm -hmm. What's going to help me switch back and then building everything in your business from there. Cause that's where you've, access to your prefrontal cortex, amazing part of our brain that has created the iPhone and all of the things that humans have created that other animals haven't mm-hmm. because we have the prefrontal cortex. And so when you're on channel three, you have access to that. And that's where you're going to get the genius idea for your business. That's going to be different than Heather's, right? And mm-hmm. different than mine. And you know, I think sometimes when we want to see other people's metrics or something, it's like, Heather was successful. So I got to follow her template. And it's like... Yeah. Well, oh. and I think a lot of people sign up for coaching, especially business coaching, right? Like for MFR therapists, like they're thinking, I'm going to give them... A blueprint. You do yeah. A, B, C, a blueprint, right? And it's not like, yes, I give you a lot of assets, like a lot of resources, but it really is that like, how do you start becoming really aware of the way you respond to things and the way you think about yourself and the way you think about your clients, the way you think about yourself as a therapist? And how do you start changing that on purpose to create a different result? Because what you've been thinking so far and doing has gotten you where you're at and that's great, but it can only get you this far. So what do we need to change and enhance and stop doing (laughs) (laughs) and stop thinking so that we can get you to that next level, that 100K MFR practice without overwhelm and without burning out because the world needs more of these therapists doing what they do to help more and more people. And we need you to not be burned out. And we need you to be making money because you know, just like anything else, like I love these MFR therapists. I think they're the greatest people in the world. I want money in those people's hands, making more of the decisions in the world from channel three, not totally. Yeah. Yeah. We want money in their hands to change the world. And then also people don't value things they don't pay for. Right. Like exactly. That's a, a whole nother story, which I'm sure some of your listeners know about with like insurance claims. Yeah. People versus people who are paying out of pocket and how seriously. Yeah. That's like a whole nother wormhole we could go down. (laughs) So 
tell me more. Like, what are we missing? We have the realizing your right size reaction or your reaction to something, and then like questioning is this the right size reaction? Then getting up and completing that stress cycle, moving your body, completing the cycle, and then zooming out and looking at things on a longer scale. Like, say, somebody canceled, like, what's the effect of this on my business today? What's the effect of this on my business six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? To like zoom out and like repattern your response to this not being such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Are we missing anything else? I think the only other thing I wanted to touch on was talking about for those people in your audience who are socialized as women, is the impact of the patriarchal socialization on marketing. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many of the things that I find with my clients that are fighting against as they start to put their work out into the world is all of these messages that we got as children that were like, focus on your love life. I think about Disney as like a capsule of what I was taught because I think the messages from Disney movies were like also the messages that were coming in at large, but it's just like all of the female characters are like falling in love. The only woman who makes money in the Disney universe, at least when we were kids, was Cruella DeVille. Yeah, and she's a villain. So like, you're yeah. evil. You have to kill puppies. You're an evil bitch. To yeah. make money so that you should focus on all of these other things and, and don't worry about money and you're like heteronormative and your husband will make the money and mm-hmm. and don't be too opinionated and don't rock the boat and earn your keep all these things that are basically like sit down shut up yeah and like be nice whereas like it's a total flip of the script when you're marketing your business you have to stand up you have to say why myofascial is like the most amazing thing in the world and be opinionated and some people are going to disagree and you have to ask for money (laughs) like all of these things so just to be aware that you're fighting against all this old programming in your brain and it impacts your body right yeah it's like it's in your dna yeah chances are our grandmothers weren't allowed to have bank accounts without their husband's permission right (laughs) I'm going to ask my grandma about that. She's still alive. (laughs) Yeah. So to just be aware that you're going against all of that and it can be so deeply healing. Mm -hmm. So what I love about running my business is that I'm healing all of the stuff that I want to heal anyways. Right. But it's like, sometimes it's a fast track because it's like, I can't get to the next level of my business until I heal some of it. Yeah. Totally. I think that's such a good thing to point out too, because when you're doing anything big, like we know only 2.4% of women will ever make over a hundred thousand dollars in their lives. Like that statistic, I just heard that, you know, cause I received a reward a few weeks ago at the life coaching school mastermind. I received the hundred thousand dollar award and they had all these statistics up and it, I was almost glad I didn't know <laughs> Statistic like prior right. to trying to go for that, but I want people to know like how low it is, like how rare it is that you can make a hundred thousand dollars. But here I have the audacity to be a coach for people, for mainly women. Men are also invited. Hello, men. But my <laughs> goal is to help women create hundred thousand dollar businesses year after year after year. So knowing that the statistic is so small 
And it's even worse for, you know, women of color, BIPOC people. Right. Like, I'm here to change that and to decondition all this patriarchal bullshit that puts us in the position that that's our statistic. Yeah. There are more women on the earth than there are men, but we are only at 2.4% for being able to reach that goal. Like that sucks. And it takes people breaking free of the paradigm and shifting it and breaking free of that patriarchal programming to make these changes and just being awake. Like, you know, this statistic, now you can't unknow it. Now, are you going to be part of the change or are you going to keep deciding you can't do it? Yeah, the wage gap, you know, I think we can talk about the wage gap kind of intellectually and kind Mm -hmm. of disassociate it from ourselves. But it's like, actually, the way that you can change the wage gap the fastest is earn more money. Yeah. (laughs) And we get to set our salaries. Raise your prices. Yeah. We're responsible for it, like both like in my business and in these therapy businesses and in your business. And just realizing how much control we have over that is eye-opening. You just command a higher rate because you get to decide you want a higher rate. And then you get to go to work on all the stories you have about why that makes you bad. Yeah. And we'll still have women in the same room tell you that you're bad for that and that they're better for charging a lower, more affordable rate. How do they know? Yeah. You don't know. Like You're never going to win this argument with me. (laughs) People that try to have it like, well, I'm a nicer person because I'm making my therapy affordable or I'm this. Like you don't have to accept the label. Yeah. And that's part of the patriarchal conditioning. That's part of this like story that women used to not be allowed to make any money. Zero dollars. Or own property or vote. And we were allowed to work. People say, oh, women weren't allowed to work. No, we worked. (laughs) Yeah. There was a lot of unpaid labor that was done by women and those messages are still there that you shouldn't get paid or you shouldn't get paid very much. You should be giving and you should give everything away for free or for a very low rate. And it's like, yeah, that's why we still have the wage gap is because people still believe that there's some morality to charging a lower rate. You know, if you want to have a scholarship program or be intentional about it and say like, you know, I know there are some people who it's like, okay, I have four slots that are 50% and I want to give them to people from Mm -hmm. marginalized identities who grew up historically with less access to wealth. And so they're Mm -hmm. maybe still have less access. And so like, I want to make this accessible to them and, and feel really good about that. And I think that's amazing and also not required. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's such a slippery slope to like white saviorism and all of the things that we do unintentionally that like actually are coming from racism or coming from white saviorism or saviorism in, in general. And that can be a slippery slope, like in the therapeutic relationship, therapist to client, and like believing that you are saving them versus believing that they have saved themselves by finding this modality. Yeah. Right. And so you got to be really check yourself. Yeah. It really depends where it's coming from. Yeah. But it's like if you had a corporate job, none of this would even be a question. Like, Mm -hmm. because I have all all the whack neural pathways too. (laughs) At one point when I was raising my rates, I was like, if I 
said to my clients, I need to make more money. So I'm going to quit and I'm going to get a corporate job. I felt like good about that. Mm. But somehow raising my rate, I was like, I'm an evil. Yeah. Even though you have like total control over like what you charge, right? Like you could just decide to make more. That's more uncomfortable than throwing your dream away to go be a robot in corporate. Yeah. But somehow I thought that it was like people would understand or people would be less angry or whatever it was if I went to corporate. If I was just like, oh, the money's not working out for me here. So I'm just going to totally change as opposed to, yeah, my rate is going up and I totally invite you to come along on this journey with me. You do the work around your nervous system. You like become the circumstance in their model. So like whatever their reaction is to your price is not about you. It's just like about them. And you're looking for best fit clients that want to pay your rate. Yeah. Get your services from exactly from you. Yeah. I think for everyone listening, it's like just being aware that the patriarchy is probably a lot of the thoughts that you have about oh, I can't say this or I shouldn't say it this way or I shouldn't ask for more money or whatever. Yeah, it is that conditioning. You know, like I had never been exposed to, I think like even this terminology until the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I'm so thankful that I've broadened my group of who I expose myself to and who I listen to and who is in my ear and like what I'm consuming, right? Because now that I'm aware of this whole idea of a patriarchy, like I get to decide if I get controlled by it or not, I get to decide to be angry about it or not, or just like call it out for what it is and make a new decision. Mm -hmm. And that's so valuable. Now I know we read a book called Patriarchy Stress Disorder within our mastermind. Do you remember who that's by? I can't remember the author. Valerie Rain. Okay. So I recommend the book Patriarchy Stress Disorder by Valerie Rain to anyone that's interested in learning more about the patriarchy and about like, what is the physical toll of living under that and not having awareness? On your body. Yeah. Yeah. What is the toll? So everybody go out and get that book. (laughs) She's an amazing person. We got to meet her. Yeah. That was so cool. Over Zoom. So it was really cool. Yeah. But just, I think diversifying like who you listen to, what are the messages you are allowing into your world? How small is your world? And can you broaden it just by 5% (laughs) Mm -hmm. by checking some of this stuff out? Like you, you can read that and not agree with it or whatever. You can decide like, you don't think there's a patriarchy. You can totally have those thoughts. That's going to be totally fine, but just realize like you can also look into it and decide, oh yeah, like this is influencing these decisions and it's keeping me stressed out and it's keeping me from getting what I want. It's keeping me small because that's the whole point of having a patriarchy. It does keep people in check and it keeps people small and it keeps people in their place and in their position so that certain people can have all the control and to continue to have it and inherit the control even when they don't maybe understand that that's the control they're inheriting. Yeah. Dangerous. Such a good conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. I have to run around the block after this. I don't know. <laughs> Got your stress cycle going a little. Yeah, or I guess get like excited and like worked up in a good way about these conversations. Oh, so yeah. took us a minute to get to where we were going, but we got there. And I think that this is going to be a great episode for MFR therapists or anyone else that's listening. So I, I appreciate you for being here, Bryn. So everybody out there, like check your reactions to things. 
move your body, complete the stress cycle, zoom out and look at things on a larger scale. And then also look into and see like, where is the patriarchy affecting some of this response that I'm having and some of my behaviors and how can I learn to change that? And go and listen to Bryn Bamber at the Sacred Goals podcast. And you can find Bryn at brynbamber.com, B-R-Y-N-B-A-M-B-E-R.com. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I have a ton of episodes on nervous system regulation, that kind of thing on the Sacred Goals podcast. And yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and all of those places if this type of thing resonated with you. So thank you so much for having me on, Heather. Thanks for being here. We'll see you all next time on another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. My goal is to help all MFR therapists stop under earning and burning out. I have several resources available for you. Read my book, The MFR Coach's Guide to Having Your Own MFR Business, available on Amazon and at Advanced John Barnes MFR Seminars. Keep listening to the podcast. I'll always have fresh content each and every week. Join my group coaching program. Enrollment opens four times per year. We take all the information I teach and lay down the foundation for your six-figure MFR business. It's more than just raising rates, but you'll make that the hardest part. Then expand into the business owner who delivers your rate like it's just the news and who can sell MFR to anyone in any situation. I'll show you how. Get on my email list, follow me on social media at the MFR coach and visit my website for more information on group enrollment, themfrcoach.com. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.